The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. So much TV and streaming to talk to Joe, Shane, Elaine, Burke about. But before we talk to them, let's hear something that we referred to earlier in the programme. A Saturday Night Live sketch which involved two comedians dressed up to look like Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. But hold that thought because I'm told we have the stars of the Banshees of Inna Sharon, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Uh, you know, that's the words, and you know, like, uh, take words of troops for her and you'll be. Hey, me, Glen, 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 Q, Atari, Swiddle, Tooney, Trees, and it's. Books like they say, you know, our times to go back, giving like it's been for long, take team, me, whole team at CAA. Wow, and they haven't even started drinking yet. Woo. Okay, Elaine Burke, are we being overly sensitive about this racial stereotyping with a bit of drink thrown in? Uh, I mean, it's just a rubbish joke at the end of the day. And SNL does rubbish jokes. It's not funny. It hasn't been funny for a really long time. And it wasn't just the Irish that got sent up in that sketch. There was a Jewish... uh, acting coach that was brought in to play Michelle Williams Jewish acting coach which was a total stereotype and then it ended with a Pinocchio that was just a very hand-waving uh, Italian accent kind of it was just atrocious in terms of comedy let alone if you're going to be offended by it it was just bad comedy and this coming not long after Joe Brendan Gleeson actually was the guest host on the programme and uh, Colin Farrell also came along to help him with that yeah, and I mean, you would have thought that the Saturday Night Live crew would have realised that uh, Colin Farrell is famously teetotal and hasn't drank in 20 years. Um, you know, it, it was cringy more than, you couldn't really get offended. It was just so dumb and, you know, lazy and stupid. You just couldn't get offended by it. But could you know, if, if that had happened on the BBC, Joe, would yeah. we not be jumping up and down if it happened if the <laughs> British had done it rather than well, the Americans? We, well, the British would, no, nobody in British TV would have done that. Now, here's the thing I, I would observe that if they had done the same thing to the cast of Everything Everywhere uh, all at once, <laughs> they wouldn't have done it to them, right? So oh, there it's would kind have of been weird. war, wouldn't there? Uh, yeah, yeah, if I you mean, had they wouldn't do it to, to an Asian, like Asian, Asian cast. Yeah. yeah, there would have been absolute war, which is just what you just have to ask. Why, are, is, why is this still the only thing that American satirists or comedy writers can say about Irish people? That, you know, we can't. And by the way, they had, you're right, they had the two actors on the show. You couldn't find two more articulate guys with, you know, well-spoken, well-educated, smart actors, you know, that kind of make a lot of American actors look pretty dumb as well. You know, it it just made no sense. It it, it was just so absolutely stupid. But like I said, if they'd done that to to a group of Asian actors or to Asian actors, there'd be absolute war today. Uh, Did you watch the Oscars itself last night, Elaine? Oh, it's on too late. <laughs> you can catch the highlights online and then you can catch some more highlights on the broadcast on Monday evenings. Like it's just it's it's kind of lost its sheen as something worth staying up for, especially coming at the end of the awards season. I think people kind of get a bit worn out of all the awards at this point. Um, and they only kind of we all know we're going to find out the next morning and everything anyway. 
and we'll know what to skip forward to in the production when we do then get around to watching it. And I think most of it has been revealed online and the SNL skit is actually one of the most talked about things. But Jimmy Kimmel made a jab at fighting Irish people and his lame jokes as well and it's just a bit tired. But they did have Jenny the donkey, but not really Jenny the donkey, which was a cute moment. Which was a scandal in itself. And of course then there was also, I mean, I don't know whether you've seen it online, the Hugh Grant interview with Ashley Graham. Oh yeah. Do either of you yeah. see that online? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was brilliant. And you, you know, the thing you have to ask... Whose side are you people, on, Joe? Whose side are you on in that? Yeah, for people who didn't see it, I kind of... It, the one thing you have to ask is, why was Hugh Grant there? If Hugh Grant is, finds it so absolutely tiresome and terrible and boring and, oh my God, I don't even... Why did he even bother showing up? Well, I suppose he showed up because he's an actor and, it, and it's the Oscars. It was a funny moment. Uh, and he did... He, I thought he was being a bit mean to the, to, the, uh, to the lady interviewing him as well because he made this kind of like throwaway remark to Vanity Fair uh, in a kind of, I think, expecting her to not get the reference at all. And... It's, it was a funny moment and it, it scored very well on social media but I would ask myself, you would have to ask Hugh Grant if you, if you don't like it that much why bother showing up? Yeah but of course wasn't it as well part of it Elaine and Ashley Graham asked him sort of who made his suit and yeah. or where did he get his suit and I mean like he's not into his brands or whatever or the fashion thing you know just sort of it, it, it was I actually felt it was a really dumb question to ask him well see this is the thing there is this growing backlash to the inane red carpet <coughs> interviews that, that are coming out like, every year they're rolled out and they have the same questions and some of them haven't even done their research and they get blowback for that when the actors actually don't go along with it and it, it is actually quite entertaining I find when the actors kind of don't go along with it and they're like I'm just I'm here at this pageant I want to be at this award show but I have to do this beige carpet as it was last night or red carpet walk and I have to do these inane interviews and some of them very very apparently do not enjoy it and and don't mind people knowing that Joe did you watch Match of the Day on Saturday night the truncated commentary less 20 minutes yeah, and um, because I'm not a Tory MP, I didn't really enjoy it. Um, it was it was bizarre. The whole thing it just felt it felt so wrong. And and to be honest with you, thank God it's it seems they seem to have um, reached reached some sort of peace agreement here today. It's kind of hilarious. The BBC made four or five demands off Gary Lineker over the weekend, and he told them to uh, that he's not he wasn't going to accede to any of them. And then eventually today they said, okay, then Gary, we have a deal. You don't do anything. We'll just cave and we'll just go back, you'll be back on TV next week. And that seems to be what happened. The Director General of the BBC, Tim Davies, basically said we're going to have a review of the guidelines um, which is sort of like kicking the can down the road. We're going to try and forget this because it's been very damaging for the for the BBC, obviously. It's been a real kind of kick in the face for the, for the Conservatives as well because even after the, the Markish Rashford free dinners thing, you would have thought they would have learnt their lesson. Do not go after popular footballers. But they did it again with Gary Lineker and it's, it really blew up in their face. And I think most people, especially, you know, people like Match Today, people like football, are just glad that the whole thing is over and hopefully we can just get back to the football next weekend. Yeah, it hasn't been a good few days for the BBC because, Elaine, there's also been a suggestion that it pulled an episode of the new David Attenborough series for fear of upsetting the government. What's this about? Yeah, so this is kind of a complicated one in that it was accused of pulling it under government pressure or pressure that it thought there was going to be a government backlash. But the producers of the show... Uh, have said that they were only commissioned to do five episodes of Wild Isles, which is the new nature documentary from David Attenborough. And people are excited about it this side of the water as well because it's going to feature a bit of uh, Kerry in it in Killarney National Park. 
But apparently there's a sixth episode that's only going to go out on iPlayer that talks a little bit about uh, the impact on biodiversity loss that things like farming uh, practices have had in the UK. And it looks suspicious that that episode is not airing. But now apparently it was commissioned later than the original five episode run. It it, it seems to be really highlighting the work of RSPB and WWF, two charities that work in kind of wildlife and biodiversity and showcasing the work that they do and, and they're co-producers of the whole production. Like the BBC saying it was never meant to go to air, but it's also that just makes them look gutless. Like, why wouldn't they put this part on air because they're afraid of who it might look bad? Impartiality rules. They probably wouldn't want to be seen to be endorsing organisations that may have partly funded the making of the programme. And that's fair enough. But I mean, the points that are being made in these shows are important and David Battenberg is fronting it and uh, Chris Packham another great TV environmentalist has said it is wrong for them not to air this thing because these are urgent stories worth telling yeah, Matt, What do you make of this Joe? It, listen, they were, the BBC was accused of backing uh, such dangerous radicals as the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. You know, it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What it, it feels as, as the same with the Gary Lineker thing. It feels like the BBC is running scared from the very, very strong um, kind of culture war push that the Tories and the, and the Tory media in the UK are, are pushing at the moment. And the BBC is feeling a bit punch drunk. And unfortunately, at the top of the BBC, you have political appointees. You have the man, you know, Sharp, who hasn't done any uh, any interviews on the Lineker thing, who basically facilitated an eight hundred thousand pound bank loan for the for the then, then Prime Minister, um, you know, Boris Johnson. It's it's just a huge mess, and you you wonder what it's like for people in the BBC, you know, managers and people working there, and journalists and anybody involved to just be on the receiving end of this, caught in the in the middle, you know, of this mad you know, culture war that's blowing up in the UK. It, it must be a very tough place for them at the moment and very, very difficult waters to navigate. Now, of course, the Newsnight presenter Fiona Bruce has yeah. also been criticised because of the way that she handled uh, the comments made by journalist Yasmin Albaya Brown on the programme last Thursday evening when she said that Stanley Johnson had a history of violence and that this was on the record. Let's hear what Fiona Bruce had to say. I'm not blaming Boris Johnson or Stanley Johnson. Actually, Ken, he was a wife beater, Stanley Johnson, on record. Um, okay, let me just let me just intervene. I'm not I'm not disputing what you're saying, but just so everyone knows what this is referring to. So, Stanley Johnson's uh, wife spoke to a journalist, Tom Bauer, and she said that Stanley Johnson had broken her nose and, and she had ended up in hospital as a result. Stanley Johnson has not commented publicly on that. Friends of his have said it did happen. It was a one-off. Yes, but it did happen. Okay, what do you make of this, Elaine? Because I suspect that what Fiona Bruce was doing there was trying to perhaps protect against the possibility of a legal action, given that Stanley Johnson has never actually been charged or convicted of assault. Exactly. Fiona Bruce was doing her job. Uh, She is meant to do that. She's meant to provide that clarity and she is meant to put in those statements that legally they're obliged to include when something like that is said on their show. It's the same reason why you see statements in in written reports about the Weinstein scandal that Harvey Weinstein denies all accounts of these uh, encounters. Those are things. Sorry, until such time as he was actually convicted. Yeah, like you have to include these things. And that's what she was doing. And like to me as a journalist, it does sound like 
Fiona Bruce doing her job, but it seems to be taken up as she was minimising a domestic violence um, incident and minimising domestic violence in general. And it does, like she has called it a mischaracterisation. I would also call it a mischaracterisation, but she's now stepped down as an ambassador for a domestic violence charity, Refuge, who have also said that it's mischaracterised her. Um, but she stepped down because she finds this is causing a distraction to the good work that they do. And it like it's a hard decision to make, but that's what she's had to do now and it is unfortunate. Okay, Joe, I wonder how significant the upset was this. Was this again a reaction to a certain number on social media giving out about yeah. this? Yeah, it was It was just classic pile on, on Twitter and social media. The classic everybody running off, not understanding what Fiona Bruce was doing. If, they'd, if, if people had stopped to think about it for a second, she's had to, resu- she's had to step back. She, she actually is, is a champion and an ambassador for, for, a, a women's, uh, for a charity that deals with survivors of domestic abuse. And apparently Fiona Bruce has done great work with this charity. And it's just ridiculous. People are always getting angry at people on TV going, oh my God, I can't believe she said that, without waiting to actually earn stopping for a moment to think what's going on before absolutely piling it on Twitter. Pick of the week, Joe, what are you going for? Um, this is um, Friday on Channel 4. Nazanin, uh, it's just called Nazanin, and it's about Nazanin Zagari Ratcliffe, people might remember. She was an Iranian-British uh, uh, dual citizen. She was um, basically held hostage by the Iranians. She went visited there in 2016. She was basically put in prison on these trumped up charges. Boris Johnson then got involved, you know, by carelessly saying, well, oh, she was working for the British government when she wasn't, which the Iranians used as an excuse to keep her in jail again. She was released finally last year. Uh, the next day, the Iranians got um, £380 million that had been frozen in Iranian state assets in British banks. Well, was unfrozen, so there was some sort of deal done. This is the behind-the-scenes stories with the, the woman herself and her family telling this amazing story about her being held hostage in Iran and finally released. Elaine, just to finish with you, and you have to be very careful here, please, because you have as your pick of the week the finale of a show that I'm going to watch tonight, and I do not want any spoilers. <laughs> I'll say nothing except watch it. It's brilliant. The Last of Us finale has dropped. I've already watched it before I came in here because I could not wait. It is superb. It's a great signing off uh, of this season, which has been an absolute triumph for everyone involved. It still gives a lot for the gaming fans and a lot for people who've never even heard of the video game I'm delighted with how it's wrapped up that's all I'll say Excellent I'm looking forward to it already thank you very much Elaine Burke and Joe Shea The Last Word with Matt Cooper Weekdays from 4.30 Today FM